right, you guys, just as a reminder, so last week and this week, the sermons are kind of connected, even though last week was Jeremiah 5. This week is 1 Chronicles 28 and 29, the final chapters of 1 Chronicles. Um, I want to remind you guys that the Bible is clear on how to receive salvation, okay? And salvation is something you cannot lose. The Bible teaches us that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is God, if you just believe that, and if you declare with your mouth that you believe that, you're saved. If you believe in your heart, man, Jesus, I don't know all the Bible says, but I just believe that you're real. I believe you came and lived and died for me. If you believe that in your heart, and if you just openly proclaim it, you can do that through baptism. You can do that by putting it on social media. You can do that by talking to your friends or your family and just saying, Jesus is my God. And you can do that just even with your attitude, the way you live your life then you guys, you're saved and you can't lose that. But last week we talked about the consequences of not being honest with God. It doesn't mean you lose your salvation, but there are consequences when we don't um, obey the Lord and when we're not honest with him. And there are consequences, and those consequences exist for our good. If last week was about the consequences regarding those things, this week, today, is the blessings. It is the good we receive when we are honest before the Lord and when we obey him. There's a verse in the Bible that we have just claimed as our life verse for the Woods Edge Student Ministry for the entire year of 2018, which we are just beginning, and it is in Isaiah chapter 32, the first verse of which says this, look, a righteous king is coming, and honest princes, princesses, will rule under him. That is our life verse for the year, and from this one sentence, we can just receive the fact that God is calling us into a season of honesty. You are God's princes and princesses. You are royalty in his eyes. He sees you beyond how you will ever see yourself, but we can get a little closer today by listening and applying what we hear. But God is calling you to a season of honesty, to just be honest This is who I am, and this is where I am at, and this is what I'm struggling with, and this is where I need you. Just being honest to those things, and that if we do that, he will give us responsibility. He'll give us rule under him. Jesus is the king, and we are his princes and princesses. And when we're honest and when we obey, the Bible is clear that we receive blessings and protection. Um, I want to show you guys a picture from my backyard that I took just last week. This is my backyard. It is awesome, and I have built it with my children in mind. There's my stairs that go up to the second level, and we've got a refrigerator up there. We've got air, air conditioning up there. We've got everything you need to live and subsist up there. This is my deck, which is gorgeous and old and awesome, and it got plenty of places to sit. We've got a chimney if it gets cold at night. We've got a fort over here that is sometimes a pirate ship and sometimes a spaceship. It just depends on the mood of my children. We have a garden where we get to watch life literally happen before our eyes. We've got a trampoline with like the net thing, which is awkward, like when I was a kid. No net, but hey, I want a net for my kids. We've got a shed for the... We've got everything back there for my kids to just literally just go outside and play, and they're good to go. They're good to rock and roll. And that's my yard. And you will notice that all the way around it is a fence. So not only do they have everything to live and survive and have a good time back there, to invite their friends into back there, but it's safe. It's blessed and protected. Um, I can watch over my kids from anywhere in the yard when they're 
in the yard. I can just peek out the window and I can see my kids having a good time and know they are safe. And the number one rule for my backyard is for my kids, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't go outside because when you go outside, you're stepping outside of the boundary I set for you. You're stepping outside of the protection I've established for you. And when you're out there, I can't account for what's going on. I have done all I can to make this a safe place. But if you step outside of the boundaries of my love, when we, as God's kids, step out of the boundaries of his love, trouble's waiting. You guys, look at this next picture. The Bible is clear. You do not live in a physical body that has a spirit. You are spirits that just happen to be right now at this moment in time living in a physical body. We are spiritual creatures first and foremost. Our heaven, eternity, not the 70 or 80 years we get here, heaven is spirit. And so you are spirit first. And we have, and the Bible is clear, a spiritual enemy that is hungry to devour and kill and steal and destroy from you that voice in the back of your mind, that unease you feel at three in the morning laying in bed and you can't sleep and you're just afraid of and filled with shame and guilt. That is not you, that you are not alone in that moment. You have a spirit that is wanting to destroy you and he is at work all day, every day. But thank you, Jesus, that we have a savior that has given us power to overcome that. And he says, when you're honest with me, and you tell me what you need, and you obey what my book says, I will keep you safe from that. But the minute my kids walk out and leave my fence, they are knowingly doing what I said not to do, and they are at their own peril. And some of you, there are some clear lines in your life that you know are there and have been placed there by God, and God is like, please, don't. And you do, and you get into a world of hurt, and you need to know that's not God punishing you. You left the backyard, and he's calling you forever back in. So what do we get? What do we receive when we're honest with God and we obey God? We get blessings and protection. Now, Monday morning, I asked the Lord over at Starbucks, as I did last week, what do you want me to talk about with the students? And it was awesome because he told me what I needed to hear for me and the sermon I'm about to give. And the story that I opened to in my spirit was just like, that's it, comes from 1 Chronicles, and it begins in chapter 28. And it's the story of David as an older king, and he is handing his kingdom over to his son Solomon at this point in his life. And he's gathered all his generals and nobles and officials, and in fact, all the people from all the towns all over Judea, and he has brought them together at Jerusalem, and he gives them a speech, and this is what he said. David rose up to his feet and he said, My brothers and my people, it was my desire to build a temple where the ark of the Lord's covenant, God's footstool, could rest permanently. And I made the necessary preparations for building it, but God said to me, You must not build the temple to honor my name. For you, David, are a warrior and you have shed much blood. Yes, David continued, the Lord, the God of Israel, has chosen me from among all my father's family to be king over Israel forever, for he has chosen the tribe of Judah to rule, and from among the families of Judah, he chose my father's family. From among my father's sons, the Lord was pleased to make me king over all Israel, and from among my sons, he chose Solomon to succeed me on the throne of Israel and to rule over the Lord's kingdom 
And the Lord said to me, your son Solomon will build my temple and its courtyards, for I have chosen him as my son, and I will be his father. And if he continues to obey my commands and my regulations, my, my word, I will make his kingdom last forever. David was a great man of God. The Bible is full of stories of him. He wrote so much of what we read by the power of the Spirit. Um, David defeated the enemies of God throughout his life. David tore down idols against God for most of his life. He built whole cities for God for most of his life. And he literally, he wrote the book on how to have a relationship with God in the Psalms. And yet David was far from perfect, which I love, because I am far from perfect. And I look around this room, and with the exception of, you know, Brooke, most of you are far from perfect. Um, David was a very selfish person, and if I asked for an honest raising of the hands right now and said, are you selfish, every hand would be in here if you were honest with yourself, because we are selfish people. Right now, I'm thinking about what I'm, I'm going to eat for lunch, right? And the fact that, are there enough sandwiches? And I better get mine, like, I'm selfish. Um... David made mistakes. He made big, fat, hairy mistakes. He made huge mistakes. Uh, David was lazy in his faith from time to time. And man, who's, who's lazy in their faith sometimes? All of us. David murdered his friend to hide a sin. I think we're all selfish. I think we're all lazy in our faith. I think we've all made mistakes. I hope none of us have murdered a friend to hide a sin. And yet David did. And because David was honest about those things. He was honest when he was selfish. He was honest before the Lord when he was lazy in his faith. He was honest with God when he messed up. And he was honest with God when God convicted him and said, yes, I did do that. I killed Uriah so that I could sleep with his wife. That's a big deal. And you'd think, man, you're done. And God said he was honest with me. And so I continued to bless him and protect him. That should encourage every one of you in here because you all, as I do, make mistakes, and God is like, not too late, never too late. I will, I will still not only receive you, but I'll protect you and I'll bless you. But he requires us to be honest about where we need him, how we need him, when we need him. He requires honesty. And so here's David at the end of his life, and he's still desiring to serve the Lord. He still has a hunger to do great things for God. He wants to build this temple unlike any other structure in history and God says, no, no, you've, you've shed blood, you're a warrior, I still love you, I still bless you, I protect you, but I've actually set this task aside, building my temple for your son, my kid, Solomon. Students, do you realize that God himself, the creator of the universe, has set aside great things for you? Like right now today, you are in the midst of, you are on the precipice of great things that God has like preordained for you since before you were born. Do you realize that God has reserved amazing experiences in this life for, for you personally? God has literally prepared supernatural adventures for every single one of you in this room. They're just laid out in front of you and God is like, if you follow me, if you're honest with me, I'm going to walk you through the most incredible, spirit-filled, supernatural life that this world has to offer. Ephesians 2.10 promises this when it says, friends, we are God's masterpiece. God says masterpiece about nothing 
else in scripture except for you and me. We are God's masterpiece. We are heaven's poetry etched on lives. That's how God thinks of you as his poem. God created us to be brand new in Jesus by declaring with our mouth that we believe he's God so that we might walk into the good things that he planned for us long ago. Before you were a twinkle in mommy and daddy's eye, God set up incredible encounters for you in this life. And they are literally right in front of you. And God has been waiting for you to be born so that your life and your honesty and your obedience and your worship will declare to everyone you encounter there is a God in heaven, his son's name is Jesus, and I love him. There is a God that wants to love you. My favorite line from last week from Jeremiah 5 is this. This is God just being honest with us, his kids. This is God just calling it like it is. My people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. Who's got a stubborn, rebellious heart? I certainly do. I certainly do. And God is like, hey, I love you enough to tell you the truth. You have a stubborn, rebellious heart. It's cool. My people have turned away and abandoned me. I've done that. And they do not say from their heart, listen to this, let us live in awe of the Lord our God. God's desire for every one of you in this room is not that you would be perfect, is not that you would obey all the rules perfectly, is not perfection. It is that you would live in awe of who God is. Let's define this word, awe. It is an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, and wonder. That's God's desire for you in this life. He wants you to live in reverence, in admiration, in just the state of like beautiful shock because he's so awesome. That's his desire for your life. Awe is produced by that which is grand, glorious, sublime, magnificent, powerful, supernatural. That's the kind of life that God wants you to have. If you're not experiencing that in your life on a daily basis, I would challenge you, are you obeying God? Are you honest with God? Because that's what's available even today, no matter what you did this year, last night. Who doesn't want to live in a state of awe? And listen to what God says in 1 Chronicles 28. So now, with God as our witness, David says, and in the sight of all Israel, the Lord's assembly, in front of everybody in the woods of student ministry, I give you this charge. Be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God so that you may continue to possess this good land and leave it to your children as a permanent inheritance. You guys, the, the key word for us this year from the beginning of last semester is repent. Change the way that you think about God. Change the way that you think about what it is to be a Jesus follower. And today's sermon is saying it's time. Now is the time to change the way that you think about God. We need to change the way that we think about being honest with God and about the way we obey God. It is not that you have to obey God. It's that you get to. It's that you know enough to realize you can, because when you obey God, blessings. When you're honest with God, protection. Think about what that looks like. If you are honest with God, then you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to be guilty about. You have nothing to feel ashamed of, because it's all out on the table. When you are obeying God, you have nothing to be worried about, because you know you're safe in his plan for your life. 1 Chronicles 28.9, Solomon, my son, learn to know 
the God of your ancestors, intimately. Worship him. Serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and he knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. If you seek the Lord today when you get home with an honest heart, you will find him. And maybe in a way you never have before. And yet if you forsake him, and let's just clarify what that word means, to turn your back on God and walk in the opposite direction and never look back. If you do that, he will reject you forever. So take this seriously. The Lord has chosen every one of you. He has chosen you to build a temple as his sanctuary. So be strong and do the work. Did you notice, as David is saying to his son Solomon, as God is saying to you this morning, I want to bless you, I want to protect you, all you need to do is obey and be honest with me, whether your best day or your worst, did you notice what David did not say he needs to do in order to receive those things? David didn't say to Solomon, and God is not saying to you this morning, never make mistakes. He didn't say that. Thank God I make mistakes all the time. He didn't say to you, and he's not saying to you this morning, be on the honor roll or else. God's not saying to you, get into the best college or else. God's not saying to you, study harder than everyone else you know. Um, letter higher than anyone else. Get the highest paying job. Have a perfect marriage. Never mess up in relationships. God's not saying to you to retire with millions in the bank and have the prettiest house on the street. All God is saying to you this morning is, spend time with me. Talk to me. Learn me. Get to know me. Serve me. Worship me. Just sing a song to me. Write a song for me. Create a piece of art for me. Like, let's just hang out. That's it. Solomon, you're about to have more responsibility than anyone of us in this room can fathom. What do I do? Just hang out with God, and it'll be fine. Our fears tell us that that solution of just spending time with God is, like, too easy. It's like, that's, that, I don't, it's too simple. There needs to be more to it. What about all the work? What about all of the figuring it out? What about all of the anticipating what God's going to say next? And I love this story because God answers the question. God responds to those concerns. First Chronicles 28, 11 through 19. Then Solomon's father gave him the plans for the temple and its surroundings, including the entry room, the storerooms, the upstairs rooms, the inner rooms, the inner sanctuary, which was the place of atonement. And then David also gave Solomon all the plans that he had in mind for the courtyards, the outside rooms, the treasuries, the rooms for the gifts. Then King also gave Solomon the instructions concerning the work of the various divisions of priests, and then he gave specifications for the items in the temple that would be used to work for worship. Then David gave Solomon instructions regarding how much gold and silver to be used for this, that, and the other. And then he told Solomon about the gold over here and the silver over here and the refined gold and the incense, and he designated the amount of refined gold. And then he finally gave him a plan for the Lord's chariot, the gold cherubim whose wings stretched out over the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, Every part of this plan David told Solomon was given to me in writing from the hand of the Lord. Our Father's response to you this morning, if you're like me and you're like trying to figure it out, okay, it's too simple, what do I really have to do? His response is, I've already taken care of all the details. Being honest with God, obeying what this book says is not a have to but a get to. And he promises when we do that, he will bless us, 
He will protect us, and now we see he'll provide anything, everything that you need. Solomon didn't have to figure anything out. It was spelled out for him as soon as he said, I want that. First Chronicles 28, 20 through 21, and then David continued, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, for the Lord is with you, student. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. He'll take care of it. You just need to spend time with him and walk with him. He'll take care of the rest. And the various divisions of priests and Levites will serve in the temple of God, and others with skills of every kind will volunteer for you, and the officials and the entire nation are at your command. This is what God is saying to every single one of us in this room this morning. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be afraid of anything. Don't be discouraged by anything. I am with you. I am for you. I have your back. And if that's not enough, I'm going to send you a fleet of helpers. This student ministry is that fleet. The people on your left and right are those people. Your small group leaders are those people. Your worship leaders are those people. You are those people. We are, we are together. We have Jesus and each other. What else could we possibly ask for? I needed to hear this this week because God knows that I accepted the responsibility of being the lead student pastor five years ago and when I did, it was, it was a result of asking God, do you want this for me? this great and awesome responsibility of being your pastor, I said, God, it's being offered, but is it what you want for me? And he answered me with the very next sentence in this chapter, which he reminded me about on Monday. God, do you want me to be the student pastor of the Woods Edge Student Ministry? And I opened my Bible, and I read this. King David turned to the entire assembly and said, my son Solomon, my kid, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced, and the work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. God, do you want me to be the leader of the student ministry? And here he said, this is my son. He's young and inexperienced, just like you, but he's clearly the guy for the job because they've offered it to him. And you always need to remember this if you're going to say yes to this, and I want you to say yes to this. You don't work for Wood's Edge. You don't work for people. You don't work for the parents. You work for me first. And the temple I'm charging you to build is not a building. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the students of this ministry. I could care. I'd care a little, but I could care less if I showed up tomorrow and this building was burned to the ground because you are my work. You are what I care about. You are who God is saying, I want to build something in this generation that the world has never seen. God has clearly chosen me, and God has clearly chosen you for something beyond your wildest dreams. And the reason God encouraged me with this is because I feel like he's been promising revival, and I've been beating myself up. Did I miss it? Am I, am I messing up? And do you not feel that way sometimes? Did I, did I miss you, God? Am I messing up? And he's saying to you this morning, absolutely not. All I desire, all I require from you, spend time with me. Read my word. Sing with me. Create with me. Hang out with me. That's all God wants for us. If we can do that, and every one of us can, 
we will see something happen in our community that will turn the heads of the entire planet. I believe it with all my heart. So, I want to invite the band to come up here and we're going to respond to what we've heard this morning and I'm going to close by just asking a couple simple questions that are for you and the Lord. And I encourage you to reach under your chair and grab your pen and paper if you don't have it in hand already. Before I ask you the questions that I want you to write your answers out to, I want to preface it with something. Would you just kind of bow your heads and get your life in mind? Picture what that looks like. Picture some friends, picture some family, picture your school, your studies, your aspirations, and just maybe ask the Lord, ask yourself, where in your life are you striving right now, student? Where in your life are you just trying with all that you have and feel like you're not making any headway? I want you to know that God is saying to you today with regard to that thing, relax. Just come sit with me. Just be honest about where you need me and ask for some help and I will give it to you. We're going to listen for the Lord's voice here in a second, and I want to preface it with this. Um, I'm going to ask a question for you to ask of the Lord, and I want you to just listen not just with your ears, but your heart. I want you to not just listen with your ears, but your imagination, which is God's gift to you so that you can interpret and interact with him. And as I ask these questions, you might hear a word you might see uh, pictures, a, a person or a relationship might come to your mind, and I want you to just acknowledge God is speaking to me right now. You don't have to understand it, but you need to count on the fact that God wants to answer some things for you today. So with just a willingness, with a mustard seed, with a desire to encounter God, here's question number one. And as you hear, as you experience, as you see his response, write it down. Draw it out. Ask the Lord right now, student, God, what do you desire for me in this life? Ask him that in your own words, but what do you desire, Jesus, for me in this life? And just start penciling some things out as they come to you. like he's speaking to you, please, by all means, keep writing, but let me throw this out there too. If you're having a hard time hearing, if you're having a hard time receiving, if your mind's just kind of a blank slate, you need to know that maybe there's a step of obedience because God's calling us to obedience. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to be honest about because God's calling you to honesty before you can receive what he has for you. So right now, again, just kind of between you and the Lord, is there anything in your life where you're not being honest with God? where you're not being honest with yourself. Is there something in your life that's ruling and reigning you and determining your actions that's not of the Lord? It could be a temptation. It could be 
pornography. It could be um, an eating disorder. It could be drugs. It could be selfishness. It could be envy. It could be any of those things. But God created you to be ruled and reigned by his son and his love. So ask the Lord, is there something in me that is ruling and reigning in me that's not of you? It's going to come to you. Own it. Write it down. So last thing to ask the Lord before we wrap up. Student, if there's something ruling and reigning in you, it's probably because it's, it's bigger than you. It's stronger than you. You may have given it some influence, some, some um, authority in your life just by engaging in it. And you're just not able to stop. And that's okay. Be honest with God about that this morning. Would you just confess to him? Would you write a prayer to him? Would you just draw it out? But would you just say, God, I cannot beat this. But you can. Will you? will. He's been waiting for you to ask this question. God, I cannot, but you can. Please help me. He will.